0: Going to wrap up sermon series today that we've been talking about called don't keep calm and so today uh you are definitely not calm which is great um and that says exactly what that's exactly what we want over the past 21 days we've been praying and fasting and many of you are breaking your fast right now come on somebody glory to god hallelujah uh yeah my wife is digging in that's lovely did you save me one did you save me the, somebody somebody saved me like two all right i get i get two because uh, anyway um uh yeah we do want to thank nothing bun cakes for they gave us 75 percent off of these these cakes and woo, woo. yeah yeah and um Anyway, so I would love, uh, they're right here in South Park Meadows. And um, so we're going to jump into the scripture real quick. Uh, I want to read to you from 2 Kings uh, chapter 4, verse 1 through 7. We're going to have the scripture up on the screen. This is what it says. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets. We're going to read through this story, and then I'll come back to it and explain some things. But the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. We've been talking a lot about that, the, that phrase, cried out. That's what it means to not keep calm. It means to cry out to God. In this case, this lady cries out to Elisha. She says, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. That means he feared the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? She said, Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. So Elisha said to her, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Go inside and shut the door behind you, you and your sons, pour pour oil into the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Uh, Going on to the next verse, she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not another jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil now and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is... Left. Uh, one more scripture from John 10, uh, verse 10. We've been talking about this all year. The thief, this is Jesus, he's talking about the thief, uh, that's Satan. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they, that's us, may have life and have it to the full. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this, this time that we have to gather together. We thank you for what you're doing um, in us and through us, Lord. It's all for your glory. We give you all the credit. And uh, I pray while we have the next few moments here, may, may, may we open up your word. and May we see Jesus Christ. May we see the fullness that he wants to bring into our lives. May we, may we catch a glimpse of, of what God wants to do, what you want to do for us in, in this coming year, with this next year. I pray for just an increase in each and every one of us. Uh, All right. So the story here uh, is of a lady. If we can put that passage back up, Second Kings. I just want to jump back into that story. Basically, it says that this this woman, a wife of a man uh, from the company of the prophets, cried out to Elisha. That word "cry," that phrase "cried out," is something we've been talking about all month long. We've been encouraging and preaching and teaching about the power of crying out. Um, that many times we don't we don't receive from God because we we don't cry out. And so, if you're a Christian today, then this this will make sense to you when we say. cry cry out, we mean pray. That, that's throughout Scripture. It's uh, constantly saying cry out to God. We've read several of those passages. Uh, but if you're not a Christian today, this message is still applicable to you because, number one, you can see uh, what Christianity has to offer. Uh, and number two, you I, I believe that you can you can, you can can make a decision today to cry out to God. I believe that you can make that choice at any given point. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be in church, but hey, here you are. So, um, But uh, if you're just watching online, you might be at home in your living room, but, but but man, we believe that at wherever you are, if you're in a bar, if you're in a strip club, wherever you are, if you cry out to God, God will hear you and God will come to your help. And that's really, that's really a big part of our, of our sermon series is that God is here to help you he's here to help you but he's he's wanting us to cry out to him and so the first week we talked about don't keep quiet that is cry out lift up your voice and we started having prayer meetings every single day and man it's been awesome even even just this week the power of crying out uh, has shown itself like we we had a prayer meeting i think it was wednesday night and um there's a guy adam he he came and and adam was yeah adam was uh all congested because you guys are excited about adam that's awesome nice you don't even know what happened uh you know he stubbed his toe, and that was great, so... Um high five adam on the way out um no um, no 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 adam is there and he's you know he's got allergies cedar fever going crazy and you can you can hear that because he's like you know he's coughing up a lung and and uh, so we're praying and i finally feel like you know hey adam would you like us to pray for you and anybody else that's sick how about you guys just come forward and so and so he said sure so he got in the middle and and i explained you know we have some oil because that's what scripture says to to anoint with oil and, and scripture says that the prayer of faith will heal the sick and so i said your faith plus our faith and god will heal you if you if you put faith in god like that's what happens and so uh we we put some oil on him and we began praying within 30 seconds his sinuses cleared right up and he kind of started chuckling and he was laughing and we're like well i guess that's it okay done go sit down you know because like when you cry out to god god hears us and he comes to our rescue that's what he wants to do it's what he wants to do. He loves coming and helping uh, his people. And um, and I know I know it's not very hipster to cry out. I know like you know <laughs> it's not very chic. It's not very cool, calm, and collected. But man, let me tell you, if you're if you're if if you're comfortable in life, you're probably not going to cry out, and that's fine. This message isn't for you. This message is for people who have reached a place where they need something bigger than themselves. They need something greater than themselves, bigger than what they can do, what they what they know, and and, and, and what they have. Experienced. Experience, Every once in a while, you're going to come across something in life that's bigger and stronger and greater than you. And you're going to need some help. And at that point, I hope you look me up because I got a friend named Jesus. I know how you can connect with him and he can help you whatever you're facing. All right. So so uh, the key, though, is, is to understand and to realize that no matter how comfortable you may be in one situation or position in life, there are several parts of your life that are crying out for help. That are crying out for God uh you can be living uh one of our one of our members was telling me about a time when he was making big money in Austin he he ran a big company and man he was it was rolling really really well he made more in a month than i've ever made in a year and uh so you might say well he doesn't really need god but the truth is uh he was he was rich in that area his bank account was rich but he was poor in several other areas poverty comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes there's relational poverty there's emotional poverty there's 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 poverty of, of will, there's, so in other words, you're addicted, and so you don't have the willpower to walk away from from whether it's food or whether it's it's, it's an actual you know drug that you put in your vein. Uh, there's all sorts of poverty that we face, and um, I believe that God wants us to live a full life. He wants to fill you up. He doesn't want you to live in poverty. Now you can take that too far and say God wants everybody driving a Bentley, and that's kind of dumb and not true, because I drive a Kia. Uh, come on. <laughs> And uh, even that's broken down right now. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm get, get hitching a ride with my wife half the time. So that's kind of, she's dropping me off places. Like, anyway, um, that's kind of how, you know, but but, they, but God wants fullness in our life. That's what he says. I have come that you may have a full life. You may, I may fill up your cup. And it starts with crying out. Not only did she cry out, but um, she, what she says to the prophet is very interesting. She says, your servant, my husband, is dead. Your servant my husband is dead and you know if you want to underline in your bible i would underline that right there you know you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditors coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Evidently, this man who is unnamed in the passage um, died while he was in debt. And back in those days, when 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 you couldn't pay your debts, you didn't just file bankruptcy and the government come in and save you. Uh, you actually you had to pay off your debt one way or another. And so the the person who lent you the money had the legal right to then take you as a slave until you worked off the amount that you owed. And apparently, this guy died while he was in debt. And now that that same indebtedness Transfers over to his kids. His kids, I guess, are too young to be able to work for themselves. The woman in that culture is not allowed to get a job. She's legally not not allowed. And so, and so, the 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 situation is: this woman is facing the slavery of her kids. She's she's she has no no way to help with that slavery. And the scripture does not tell us uh, who this man is. The scripture doesn't doesn't give us any idea. But what's interesting is that uh, Jewish scholars. Uh, believe very emphatically that they know who this guy is. Uh, Jewish historians believe, and even Josephus, who was a first century Roman uh, historian who wrote about the Jewish history, he agreed with the Jews on this point. Uh, anyway, Jewish scholars say that that her husband is a guy by the name of Obadiah. Now there's several Obadiahs in scripture, but this particular one, there's a, there, you can only find him in a small passage in First Kings. And in First Kings, we see Obadiah who is working for probably the most evil king that Israel ever had, a guy by the Name of Ahab, and um, it's not that Ahab was the worst guy, but he was married to the first desperate housewife, um, Jezebel, <laughs> and Jezebel was like she was crazy. Okay, she was crazy, and she she <laughs> she she was so dead set a dead set against God that she sent out a death warrant to all of the prophets of God, and so she was sending soldiers hunting down prophets and beheading them. Like that was that's what she did for fun. So. You know, she's crazy. And she, she's, she's, she's killing prophets. Well, Obadiah is second in command. Obadiah is over all of Ahab's household, and Obadiah fears the Lord. Obadiah does something. He finds a hundred prophets, a hundred of God's prophets. He hides them in two separate caves, and he feeds them day and night, and he sends water to them. The scripture doesn't tell us how long he did this, but the Jewish historians say it was for quite a while because... Obadiah was rich. He was over all of Ahab's household, so he had a lot of money in the bank. And he, uh, according to Jewish history, he he so he used all of his money in the bank to feed these prophets for however long they were in that cave. And he drained his savings, and then when he ran out, he borrowed money from Ahab's son, Ahab and Jezebel's son, uh, Jeroboam. And so, this is the debt that the Jews believe was owed by this widow. Now Ahab and, and and Jezebel are dead. Jeroam is king of Israel, and the king is coming knocking on her door wanting Obadiah's money. It's easy, it kind of it makes it different for me to, un, to have that understanding of this passage, because because what that tells me is that sometimes you can fall into hard times while you're doing the right thing. <laughs> Like sometimes I think, you know, we think hey, if you if you made wrong decisions in your life, oh of course you're gonna have bad consequences. But sometimes you make right decisions and you still get bad consequences. Consequences. Has anybody ever felt like they're doing the right thing and they're just kind of going uphill, like everything's still working against them? All right, yeah, John, Jonathan. All right, I got an amen for over here. The rest of you can go ahead and lie about it. You've been there. You felt you felt like giving up because it seemed like you did the right thing and you got punished because you did. If 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 Obadiah would have just turned away from these prophets, would have just allowed them to get caught and murdered, he would have had a sweet bank account. He would have had. He wouldn't set his family would have been set but oh no he's got to do this generous kind merciful god-fearing thing and drain his bank account and then die while he's in he maxes out all his credit cards but it's doing the right thing and this is why she says i believe this is why she says you know that he feared the lord you you know you don't you don't you don't just have to take my word for it but you know about those hundred prophets that he fed and you know you know why we are in debt You know about this because Elijah ended up having a meeting with Obadiah and Elijah knew about this. Elijah was Elisha's mentor. And so Elisha would have known about what Obadiah had done. But let me just tell you something. I I, I feel like somebody needs to hear this. God knows. (laughs) God knows what you've done for him. God knows every sacrifice you've made. God knows everything you've walked away from. God knows everything you wanted to do but didn't. <laughs> every every God God knows every every step you've made toward him, every time you've given to others. God knows. The Bible says that God keeps track of those things. The Bible says that God writes those things down. Even a glass of water. You give a glass of water to somebody, and the Bible says that that has a reward, that God sees that, and he says, that's good, I'm going to write that down. Gave a glass of of water, and he, he's taking notes. He knows what you've done. Now, 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 now. If I were this lady, I, I would be a little bit ticked because you know, like, like she's calling on Elisha. But my question is, where are those hundred other prophets? <laughs> like, how in the world are you gonna get taken care of by Obadiah for however many years you were taken? And then, and then, Obadiah's kids need trouble, and you're you're nowhere to be found. By the way, if I, if I happen to, you know, die this week, you all better take care of my, my family. Okay. I mean, this is, or I'll come back and haunt you. I will, I will, I will like lights going on and off. It'll be crazy. All right. It'll be nuts. (laughs) Just just kidding, I don't even really believe in that stuff But I would try, I would try I would say, Lord, can I just, you know Mess with them a little bit Radio's turning, you know, just fun, you know Harmless, really (laughs) I mean, come on, look like, for crying out loud. The guy the guy the guy gave his life for these people. I mean he risked his life. If he was if he would have been found out, he would have been killed, tortured and killed. He risked his life, he drains his bank account, he gets in debt, he takes care of these hundred guys, and where are the hundred guys when they need help? They're gone. People might forget what you've done, but God will not forget what you have done for Him. People might people might be ungrateful, people might walk away, people might not remember, people might you know think, well, you know, this and that and the other. But God remembers what you've done. And God remembers that's that's why this birthday is so important because it's 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 a it's a it's a moment where we look back and say, God remembers every bit of sacrifice that it took to get here. (laughs) Because you don't you don't you don't run a church for three 365 days and not have some scars at the end of it you don't uh, 250 people don't give their lives to jesus and and the enemy the satan just kind of like oh that, that's great good for you guys you guys keep rolling that's cool i'm not gonna get your family sick or flood your home or do any crazy stuff like that no like you don't get here that easy that's why it's important to, to stop and celebrate that you made it, that you made it here. Because whatever, whatever you've, you've given to get here, that's the price, that's the cost to get you where you are. And, and people might act like they don't remember, but God remembers. God remembers, God, God, God remembers everything you've given to make City Chapel here. Cause it wasn't just me. I, it, I mean, if it was just me, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> it was just me and my wife. We wouldn't be here. It takes it takes a, a village to plan a church. I think Oprah said that. Um, it's uh, <laughs> no man. Like 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 God remembers every morning that Rick got up at, like every stinky morning and carried this stage down here at like seven thirty, meeting us here. I tell other church planners what time we get here, and they're like. I don't get there that early. I, I just, you know, I, what do you guys do? I said so we got to set up a stage and like, you know, hold turn turn a theater into a church. Like, you know, it's a lot of work. But God re, God remembers. And there were there were, there were times at five a.m. I'm driving the truck, right? And then and then fuses go out on the truck on the church truck. I don't know why I'm driving the church truck. It's a long story. I'm not the most capable. But uh, when fuses go, I don't really know what to do. And so my headlights die, and it's dark, and it's raining, and so I call up Jim. Right, and I'm like, you know, because Jim's just awake at 5 a.m. of course, and I, I said, Jim, you know, <laughs> what do I do? He's like, Well, did you check that? Yeah, I checked that. And so, and, and so then I call up Myron because it just still it kept burning all of the all of the fuses I was putting in there. And so Myron drives down from Kyle down to San Marcos in order to drive like in front of me, like in the storm. God remembers each and everything you guys have done, each and every. You know those cups of coffee? They don't serve themselves. That 2,200 cups of coffee. Like, like 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 it, it, by the way it's starbucks so god knows that you didn't know that you thought it was folgers but it's it's starbucks in that you know what i'm saying like god knows yeah. <laughs> why don't you turn to the person next to you because i like to do this and tell them god knows rowena god knows <laughs> know God knows if you knew what God knew you'd be as excited as God is if you knew what I knew you'd be as excited as I am you don't know and that's okay God knows God knows every battle I had to go through just to get here every every struggle I had to get just to survive just to make it keep my head up and not commit suicide God knows what I went through to get to this place that's why I'm excited. That's why I'm pumped. And that's why I'm kind of preachy, as my wife would say. I'm a little bit preachy today because I know and God knows. And I'm kind of pumped about the fact that, that, that we know together and you all are kind of out of the loop. And it's, it's all right. It's all right. We know. We know. You know, parenting is a funny thing. Ah, do I have enough time for this? Oh, yeah. Parenting is a funny thing. Parenting, um, parenting is one of those things like God designed this r- wrong. I think. I think God messed up on parenting. When I get to heaven, I'm gonna talk to him about it. Because you should you should have to like take a class before you can become a parent. I mean, if you gotta go to the DMV just to drive a vehicle, like you ought to at least do something like that. To become a instead, no, like becoming a parent for well, for many of us. I I know for some people they have physical complications, but for many of us we just had fun. <laughs> and when you have fun enough, <laughs> you become a parent. I don't, I don't know. Like, everybody wants to have fun. I mean, kids in high school, like, they, I mean, everybody wants to have fun. Why in the world is, is, is this the entry point for parenthood? Like seriously, look what, like the one thing that you think about all day long, you just do that one thing and then and then you get to be a parent like this is this is a weird <laughs> there should be some kind of test, some kind of i q level, like you know responsibility level, something because let me tell you, parenting like what it takes to become a parent is very different from what it takes to be a parent. <laughs> I mean, you are up all night, but you're not. It's not fun. It's not fun. It's, it's not good. And it's like, you know, like, and people, and, and people, but, 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 but I think this is where people get their wires crossed because it's so easy to become a parent. It's so intuitive for most of us. And, and, and I understand some people it's not. Some people, that, that's a touchy subject, and, and I, I, I get that. But for most of us, it's a very easy thing to become a parent. And they think that parenting then will be sort of like that sort of intuitive it 's like oh, we'll just figure it out we'll just do what we want to do, and it 'll be great and this is what 's tricky because like um like, you know we 'll going through a uh, we 'll be going through h e b and our kids are well behaved, and people will say oh you 're so lucky, like we won a lottery or something." <laughs> Like our kids are behaving. Oh, you're so lucky. Yeah, we rolled the dice and we got deuces. It was great. And I'm thinking, you know, you, you, you haven't been in my house, have you? You know, I, you don't understand. Like, it's not like winning the lottery. I mean, that, that, that's like going up to somebody who has abs and saying, oh, you're so lucky. You know, you're so lucky. You got abs. No, 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 no. This is what you get if you don't, if you're lucky. This is right here. This body, these biceps, this is called luck. All right. And I've never been stopped saying, I love your biceps. This is not a thing. And anyway, that's just for free. But if you want biceps, you've got to have something called, something called discipline, called hard work. And the same is true with parenting. If you want, if, if you want kids that, 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 that love God, that are, that are, you know, pleasure to be around, it takes work. It takes difficult, difficult work. And so that's why I'm kind of sometimes bothered when people tell me that I'm so lucky because it's like, oh, well, yeah, yeah, we didn't do any work for this. We just, you know, we just, kids came out and they were all perfect. They just, you know, they were praying before they were walking and speaking in tongues and, you know, they were healing people, just all left and right. I think he's already rose from the dead three times. Micah is, is just, you know, catch and walking on the water on the pond all the time. It happens, you know. It's just weird. Like, no, our kids are like, like Micah, if you knew the energy that Micah contains just to, just to move slowly, you would give them some credit. Like, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that, that you all don't know, but I know, and my kids know, we know, we know what it took to get here. We know how much it costs to get here. We know the price that we paid and that they've paid. I know what it is to go to church and, and have and have a wooden spoon tucked into my jacket pocket and kind of, you know, tap it every once in a while when they're getting a little bit out of hand. You know what I'm saying? Um, oh, that's right. This is Austin. I'm going to be arrested after service, so it was nice knowing you all. T-Bear's going to take over, all right? It's going to be great. You're going to have fun. Uh, you know? I mean, but no, like it takes a little bit of discipline, whatever, however you choose to do that. you, you It's going to take some work. It's going to take some work, and and, and, and when that product starts coming, when you start seeing it, you go, wow, I know what it took to get there. And I'm so proud of my kids because I know what they had to overcome just to sit quietly. I know, <laughs> I know what they had to come just to sit. I've been taking them to prayer meetings and, 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 and uh, having, them, having them pray with us. And sometimes they get a little rambunctious and, and sometimes they fall asleep and sometimes they don't pray. But, but the key is it's, just, it's called work. It's called the, the process. It's what, it's what it is. And we're not there yet, but we're getting there. We've made progress. We've made strides. And, and we encourage them when we see them do good things. And that's what I'm trying to do with you all, my spiritual kids. I'm trying to tell you I see good things, but I know it wasn't easy. I know I know I know the ninety days sobriety that I just heard about. I know that wasn't easy. I know I know that wasn't I know that wasn't easy. But God knows. God knows. And He wants to fill you up. <laughs> that's why your prayer That's why your prayer can be answered because God sees all those things. That's what this birthday celebration is. I want you, uh, holy cow. All right, we got to get going. Um, So I have five more points. It's going to be awesome. Uh, No, just kidding. One time I said that, I said, I only have seven more points. And somebody asked me, what were the seven points? (laughs) What do you think I am? Bishop Jakes or something? I don't like. I got two points. That's all I got. (laughs) And so she's facing slavery, and this is his message to her. How can I help you? How can I help you? And then he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? This is God's message to you. How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have? Notice the two things that she has. She only thinks she has one thing, but she has two. She says, your servant has nothing. That's thing number one. So you got nothing. That's one. And she said, and then I also have a small jar of olive oil. It's two things. Now, olive oil, when you see that in Scripture, obviously in the Middle East, it's a major commodity. Um, but in Scripture, it was often used to represent the presence of God. So is it, and and I, this isn't a parable. This is a real story. But it was given for our instruction so we could learn something. And usually when when, when, when God includes that kind of detail, it's kind of important. Um, especially in the Old Testament, the, the oil means the presence of God. She says, "I have, I have, I have a whole lot of nothing, and then have a little bit of God, like just like just like just a little bit of oil, just a little bit." And this is what the prophet says. He says, "Okay, go around, ask all your neighbors for more oil. Nope, <laughs> go around and ask all your neighbors for more nothing, for empty jars." Why in the world would you want more? Like, I already got a lot of nothing, a little bit of oil. What I need is more oil. And over the past 21 days, many of you have been feeling that need, been feeling the need for more of God in your life. And you've been calling on him, and it's been awesome. But but this is my encouragement to you. As you break your fast, as you shove your face full of this awesome cake, (laughs) the cake is only going to last you. Like, it's going to fill you up. And like me, I broke my fast last night at Cheesecake Factory. And, uh... (laughs) because I knew I couldn't eat cake with you all, and I wanted to beat you to the, the punch. And um, I, had, I had a whole pizza by myself, and I had a whole Godiva chocolate cheesecake to myself. And I said, oh, that's been a while. Well, it's been a while coming. And... Uh, and I felt great. People are like, don't you feel weird? No, I feel awesome. Like, this is, this, is what, this is the lifeblood that fuels the dreams of champions, okay? Chocolate-covered chocolate on chocolate layered with chocolate. It's awesome. And, and But I felt full after that for the first time in 21 days. <laughs> and that's fine physically because you can't live hungry physically. But you shouldn't feel full spiritually. However much oil you have, however much of God you have, I can guarantee it's not enough for what you're about to face. You're going to need some more emptiness. You're going to to need... I know you're starting to eat and fast is over and it's great. You're going to need some more nothing. You're going to need to present that to God. You're going to need to go around and collect nothing. This church was founded... uh, I preached this passage before we even launched to, to our little team of 30 people. And I said, guys, this is us, basically. We are going to go around and look for a whole bunch of nothing kind of people. And we're going to bring them into the house. Because people are happy to get rid of nothing. People are happy to give... If if she would have asked for oil, they would have been like, yeah, no thanks. Uh, But if she says, can I have your empty jars? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to the recycle bin get the empty jars. And those are the kind of people we're looking for. The kind of people that other people don't see value in. The kind of people that don't see value in themselves. They look inside and they're empty. And I remember one of the folks here on our worship stage, when when I met them, was an empty vessel. and But I knew that she had been in church because she used churchy words. And she said, I've been living in sin, which people in Austin don't say that. So I'm like, is that like a, a street, the name of your street? Do you have an address on that or what? But she knew as a pastor, so she, she's trying to be, you know, churchy. And, and she didn't know that I wasn't that kind of pastor. Um, and I said, okay, all right. And what I felt like God was just saying was just tell her that whatever she's living in doesn't affect who she is. Like what you are in and what you are are two different things. What you're in and what you are today, God still sees the value of you even when you're in whatever you're in. And so if she's walking, if this lady's walking around the neighborhood looking for empty jars, she sees an empty jar in the mud, she's going to pick up the empty jar out of the mud and take it into the house. And that's what we've been doing. We've been gathering empty jars and empty people and and bringing them into the house. And when you have a house full of emptiness, you have a house that's ready for filling. (laughs) Because when the emptiness stopped, the oil stopped. So the oil is attached to the emptiness. The amount of oil you get, the amount of God you get is the amount of emptiness that you're willing to show. And when you stop bringing emptiness to the table, God says, all right, cool. I guess you don't need me. And so often in our churches, what we do is we celebrate fullness because we all like fullness. And so we we, we say, you're looking so full today, and everybody's full, and this is great, and everybody's just, oh, you're not full. You might need to leave. Um, You know, and it's like this person's kind of empty. I'm running on empty. Oh, man. I guess I need to have a talk with that person again because we don't want emptiness because we want fullness. And so she collects all these empty jars, and and I am coming to a close. She she collects all these empty jars, she brings them in the house, she pours the oil, the oil fills them up, which is exactly what God wants to do in our life, He wants to fill us up. But check this out, like, she's got these full jars now of miracle oil. And she calls the prophet and says, alright, I got the miracle oil. And he says, alright, now take it all out and sell it imagine she's like what like it's just regular oil <laughs> what? no this is miracle oil like you know like this stuff goes on tbn for you know they get an ounce of it and it's like you know they just woo i mean like we'll get we'll raise a lot of my miracle oil are you serious just take it to the market sell it like common oil no way no 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 i got my miracle oil and this is what we do in churches we gather all of our miracle oils and we we love to sit around and talk about our oil and look at our oil and we build stages for our oil and we get microphones and say we got all right the person with the most oil gets this microphone and then we get lights and we shine it on the oil and we all come and we sit and we we just we just admire the miracle oil every single sunday why our kids are still going into slavery because the oil <laughs> the purpose of the oil is not so that you can sit around with a house full of oil so you get full that's great now go sell it In other words, the oil is never meant to stay in the house. (laughs) When it stays in the house, it loses its purpose. When it stays in the house, it loses the reason why God gave it to you in the first place. The oil has to get out of the house. The Bible says that Jesus is the holy and anointed one. Jesus is the oil of heaven. Jesus had to leave his house. The oil had to leave heaven and come here to earth and be sold for 30 shekels of silver so that the proceeds of that sale, the blood Blood of Christ could flow and pay the debt that you and I owed the debt of sin, the debt of, of, of retribution. He 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 paid a debt that he didn't owe because I owed a debt I could not pay. The oil is for a purpose. In other words, what are you saying practically? I'm saying you should have freedom when you walk out of here. Yeah is what oil does it produces freedom from slavery you should have freedom from slavery not only you but your entire household you should speak freedom from slavery you should break chains you should bring freedom out of the house so that when you so that when you approach god there's a reason for a new filling <laughs> cuz you emptied yourself so many people sit in churches for years, never empty themselves, and they wonder why they don't ever get anything new. Because you're so full of yourself, you're so full of yourself. <laughs> you gotta pour it out every now and then on somebody else. You gotta bless somebody. You gotta help somebody else every now and the just gotta come out of the house. But it starts, of course, with with crying out, with putting your faith in Jesus to begin with. So we're about to close, but I want to give you 30 seconds. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. And this is just between you and God. And I I just want to ask you, do you want to be filled? Do you want to be filled by God? Do you want more of God? Do you want... Do you want... You, you you have a little bit of God you have a little bit of faith would you like some more? If you have a little bit of hope would you like some more? yeah, I see hands going up go ahead just throw your hand up if that's you Just just make a physical representation and say God, I am here uh, I'm crying out with my hands with my voice with my with everything I got I gotta have more of you maybe you've been like a Christian forever but it's time that you get poured out and and and, and you start living in your purpose. 2016 will be a year of bringing freedom, not just bringing fullness, but bringing freedom to others, fullness for you, freedom for others, fullness for you, freedom for others, fullness for you, freedom for others. others. So Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we we choose right now just to put our faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that Jesus is able to fill us. We believe that Jesus is able to meet us where where we are at and that Jesus is able to save us from our sins and from the wrong things that we've done. So right now we choose to turn away from our own way of doing life and we choose To walk in your direction, we choose to put our faith in you, we choose to pour ourselves out for others, and then we choose to come back to you for more filling. Make that choice today (laughs) because your word says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be sozo, healed, saved, delivered, changed, (laughs) metamorphosed. In Jesus' name, amen.